Welcome to the Sogro Marketing Council podcast. The Sogro Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of Sogro Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Hi, I'm Kristen Sellier. Uh, I'm with ID8. We are a specialized branding agency in Marietta, Georgia, and our primary clients are manufacturing companies who are struggling with how to get to the next level and maybe have hit a a bump in the road and just can't seem to get past it. So picture this. The title of what I'm going to talk about is Flipbooks Are Dead or They Should Be. So picture this, I get my latest publication of Entrepreneur Magazine. I really want to read it. So I get on my phone and I pull up the December issue and I'm clicking through the cover. And then I have to click to see the next page, which is an ad. And then I have to click to the next page. And all of a sudden it turns into kind of a website. And then I have to click through, I go to the article I want to read. Then when I decide I don't want to read that because it's not what I wanted, I try to go back and it takes me out of the app. So I spend five minutes fumbling through the app and just eventually turn it off. And so flipbooks have been a digital replacement for magazines and booklets and catalogs and and some even have these sounds to make it sound like you're flipping a page and, and again it's just something that we just don't need and, um, and people online are experiencing that media in a completely different way. So in the last year, um, technology has has advanced about five years and the pandemic is terrible and lives have been lost and families have been um, living in fear and it's been a tough time and in all challenging times there are bright spots and one of the bright spots is that people have come together um, and in business you know people are trying to stay in business and trying to grow and and one of the industries that's been hardest hit is the trade show industry they literally went from hundred percent to zero and there aren't people gathering and and it's going to continue like that for a while And so people had to innovate and they are now doing digital trade shows because people still need to get together. People need each other. And the new new trade show is happening digitally. And and so what we're doing is we're helping clients. And so I thought you guys would love to see this interactive PDF that can be done. Now this, so what the digital trade show was asking for was for this client to supply a PDF so that as people are walking through and historically like the exhibit hall, now they're walking through and looking at the sponsor's assets, but it's all a digital experience. So of course you don't wanna create something dollar bland. You wanna create something that people are gonna get educated, be informed, it's entertaining, it needs to be memorable. And so what we have created is this file and it's not, this technology isn't new, but it hasn't been utilized in this format. So I'm going to share my screen right now. And here's some of the advantages to this. Um, Oh, I I do need to, it says host disabled participant screen sharing. You should be able to share now. There it is. Okay, you should see something that says Spectra Pro Select. Is that what you guys are seeing? Yes. 
Awesome. Okay, so here's a few things about this. It's done in Adobe InDesign. Um, it lives online and it can be seen in any web browser. Updates can be made in seconds. Um, it's easy to see and interact with on every page. And <clears throat> so this is a little bit, <clears throat> I figured instead of telling you about it, I can show it to you and tell you at the same time. So you can click on the aerial arrows like this to get through the PDF like you normally would. And you can click the back button. There's also features at the bottom of the PDF where you can go back and forth. Now, this is what I think is so cool. So this company manufactures gutters and they've got 25 locations across the US. So let's say they're, um, the general contractor is looking for a particular gutter type. So if they're interested in this piece, they roll over this little tag and it tells them exactly what it is, what size it comes in, the colors that it comes in and, and what, that, what that particular piece is. They're looking over here, it's gonna tell them the same thing. It's gonna give them color palettes. So it gives a lot more information than you could get from just a regular PDF. Um, it also doesn't require a developer. Um, so a lot of times it's hard to get the design and the development team and the writing team all together. And this way you have one platform which makes it easier to make quick updates. And it fulfills most of these digital trade shows, um, their requirements. Um, here's a little bit more about the gutter. Uh, also, this would be really good for a complex product. If you have a complex product and you wanna show the details, this um, um, element allows you to really quickly say, this is the left end cap. I mean, I don't know much about gutters, but this will give you everything that you need to know. Um, these are some of the benefits of how you can prevent leaves from coming into the gutters. I like this and you can toggle between any of the pages so you really get your arms around where you're at in the PDF and you can quickly navigate, which to me is one of the problems with flipbooks. You can't, you just have to go from one end to the other. This page is cool. This shows their distribution map. So if you can see this, if my connection's good, you see all of the little um, map markers coming on so you can see they have a decent distribution, but it's not just a flat graphic, it's animated. So it's a really like cool feature to show that this company is up to speed with technology. And then you can also connect directly with email addresses. So this particular person, Carla, is gonna be at the show. This is their trade show number. Um, you have her phone number. You can click through and go to their website. You can email the person or make the phone call. And this was done in a week. So granted, we know the company because it's a client, but this is the kind of, this is the kind of um, uh, message that you can communicate to your clients about, hey, this is what we do. And this is how you can stand out, how companies can stand out in the digital trade show environment um, because they aren't gonna see each other in person. And that's it. Let me stop my share. That's great. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions for Kristen? So is that easy? you know, like on a phone to open and look through, or do you need to be on a desktop really to look? Is that something that people would do like in a conference sharing app, or is it something they get in an email and, and look at that way? So they have a portal for the digital, that's a good question. They have a portal for the trade show and you, we have a page that I didn't show you that's on that portal. You click on that and then it opens this web browser to watch it. So you can watch it, you can interact with this on your phone, on your tablet or on your laptop desktop. Oh, cool. Awesome. Very cool. Any other questions or thoughts? 
was right. Can you email it to somebody like, or can somebody save it if they wanted to keep it? Or oh it yeah. That was the other piece I was going to say. So something like this could be salespeople could use it. It's just a link. It's just like a website link. Um, you okay. can send it via email. You could use it in a zoom meeting. Um, you could put it um, on social media, you could put it on social media. You could put a yeah. link on your website. I mean, you can really get a lot of recycling out of this mm -hmm. and uh, get a lot of mileage for it. And, um, what's you know, the, it's not even nearly as close as building a website. What's the file name? Did you say that it was? It's a PDF. It is a PDF. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Kristen. Yep. Um, it looks like we lost Yana Tori. She was on a train. She just moved to the Netherlands. So um, oh she was on a train. So she may pop back in. So she does. We'll let her um, share a tip. But awesome. Sarah, do you have one for us today? I do. I do. Um, we'll say name and company so everybody knows. A little introduction. Right. So my name is Sarah Stewart. I work with Sogro PR um, as an account executive. I do a lot of our social media and then I touch a lot of other parts of the business as well. All right. So my tip today is e-commerce and um, where's my title? Three ways that social media can be help with your e-commerce. So, um, you know, e-commerce has taken off. It's growing, you know, all the time. And especially with the pandemic and everyone being at home, it's taken off even more and more. Um, so, you know, big businesses were already online, you know, smaller businesses are trying to get their ducks in a row and, you know, take everything online and not just take it online, but really, you know, make it an experience, make it dynamic so that they can compete. Um, there were some, let's see, I want to go. But anyway, my major thing about three ways social can help with e-commerce is first off, um, experience. So when you're doing your social media, you know, social media can be an, an excellent way to really fuel the experience of people being in your store and interacting with your products. So I pulled up some examples of some social media profiles. And one way to do that is not just have one social media profile, even on a platform for your business, but have multiple platforms. So, you know, here, this is Zumba, which is like, you know, a really popular workout program. So, you know, they don't just have, you know, Zumba for it. They have, you know, Zumba, they have Zumba videos. They have Zumba Beto, who is the creator, who's an influencer. Um, this is the Zumbaware platform. And then on the platform, they have lots of experiences. So people, you know, are on their phone or, you know, whatever, and they can click on this. And, you know, it's like showing the outfits, showing, you know, in this cute way, you know, and this, you know, this is like, obviously fashion and things like that, but, you know, for, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, it's dynamic, it captures your attention. And then it's also very specific where people can, you know, they're interested in something specific with that brand clothes here, or maybe they were interested, you know, in technology or something different, or they want to know what the creator is doing and working on his kids, all that kind of stuff. Another example, um, Patagonia has a really good um, social media activity. So they target, you know, all their different, you know, um, 
Patagonia climb, Patagonia running, Patagonia snow. And you can, you know, people can come through here and follow specifically, you know, what they like. And then it can tie into, hey, you know, I really like that, you know, mountain wear they were using or that coat, you know, or whatever. It just, it makes it very real. Here's Patagonia snow. So they've got, and then it also ties in, you know, with influencers, which can extend your brand. So um, the other point I had, because I know it's only four minutes, so I don't want to go too long, is convenience. Social media can be huge for the convenience of e-commerce and shopping. So Facebook is doing a whole new thing with storefronts. They've been you know, doing where you could shop for a while, but they are launching like a new platform where you know, businesses are, they make it easier for you to you know, create product pages and all kinds of different things. So this is pretty cool. So you can look through here and I can share links to all of this. And then Instagram has been doing it a little bit longer where you can shop on the Instagram platforms and, and go right to your products. So my tip, um, you know, three ways that social media is fueling e-commerce. E-commerce is here to stay. Everyone's, you know, doing their shopping and things like that online from their houses, you know, in their cars, on the train. Um, so we need to get plugged in, you know, be dynamic, be specific, be convenient. Um, and be experiential. And this is a really great way that you can connect with people um, in a very real way. So that's my tip. So thank you, Sarah. I think the traditional wisdom in marketing has kind of been send everybody to one place because it minimizes your efforts in terms of just pushing everyone to one source. So you're not, you know, having to yep. split your efforts, but it does make sense in terms of targeting now because there's so many markets that are very specific. And so being able to target those people instead of getting, getting a wide swath of, of um, people makes a lot of sense. Yep. Awesome. What do you guys think? Any thoughts, questions for Sarah? Have you guys set up any platforms like that where you've split it based on product or based on industry? What's on landing pages, but not really on the social side. We've kept that in one, but I really like that idea. Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely for things like, like Instagram, where it's very one slide, you know, swiping up. I mean, it makes more sense to look at, you know, products by topic instead of necessarily all in one place or with things like everyone's talking about turning things into lifestyle brands, you know, where maybe you want to look at, you know, there's so many different areas. Like I want to look at lifestyle, you know, maybe locations and destinations, or I want to look at, you know, media that they provide, maybe they provide, <clears throat> you know, videos you can buy or different things, or I want products. So. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Yep. Yana, did you want to share a tip today? I know you're traveling, but. I don't know if you guys can hear me correctly. I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, we can hear you. So sorry, I'm almost I'm almost off the train. You might see my face in five minutes. Um, on my end, um, I wanted to remind people, there's new people here, that uh, one of the things that needs to be done before sending any types of email marketing, the moment you send an email outside of your inbox, so MailChimp, Constant Contact, QuickBooks, you name it, you need to authenticate your email. I've written an article in the SoGo PR um, backend as well, so you guys can go look at it, I put some special links. The reason you want to do this is to be able to prove to everybody 
the internet, the email inbox providers, that you're the actual person that sent the email. And um, more and more companies are doing it. Uh, it's very, very important. And the ones that are doing it now are the ones that are a little bit late to the game. So this is the same idea as if when you know you lose your debit card, you go to the bank. You know, if you know the teller, she might give you the, a new debit card, but if you don't know her, you will need to provide two uh, proofs of identification. So this is what happens every time you send an email. You want to just make sure that you know the DKIM and the SPF um, are authenticated, which means that you've given permission to MailChimp to send using your domain name and that you're the actual person using that MailChimp account. So if you can just take two seconds to Google authentication if you haven't done it, this is the most important thing. It will ensure that more emails are actually delivered in the inbox. Uh, when it comes to email, everybody kind of thinks that you send an email, the email is going to be received on the other end. And that is definitely not true. Um, unfortunately, we know that when we send a personal email, people receive it. But on the MailChimp side of things, that's not the case. The important thing is that you want to show the inboxes that a majority of people receiving your emails want to read them. If you're sending things and no one's reading them, no one's opening them, that is not bad in terms of revenue. It's also bad because the future emails you send might not be received because the inboxes will decide that the content you're sending is not important enough to be received. So it's very important after the holidays to remove the people that just signed on for those coupons for Christmas because you will keep sending to them and they're not actually interested in what you have to offer. So that was the tip of the week, <laughs> of the month actually. <laughs> And do you want to say your name and your company just so everybody knows where to find you? Yes, uh, my name is Yamatori and the name of my company is uh, Please to Mail You. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> she is our email marketing expert. So did you guys have any questions for Yamatori? Any thoughts on that? Have you guys gone through and done any of that post-holiday? Uh, I, I have a question. Like I have had a client ask me, they said, we have a database list of about five to 6,000 and we need to get it cleaned. Do yeah. you do something like that? I mean, I don't even know how to do that. Okay. So the, there's the, there's two types of validations. One of them is to ensure that the emails you have on your list are real emails. Uh, sometimes, you know, when you have contests, some competitors can try and like put some fake emails there, which are going to impact your reputation when you send to them. But the other list cleaning is based on the, how much value does each subscriber bring to you? So if these people are like opening emails, um, that's great. But if they're not purchasing something, some companies want to remove them. What's the point? It costs money to send emails. It costs money to do strategies. And it also makes it a little bit more difficult to create a strategy when you have a thousand people. And from you know all the a thousand, only 30 really cared. You're doing a strategy for a thousand people and you might lose a 30, right? So it depends what they're looking for, but if not, usually the cleaning is anybody who hasn't opened an email in the last three to six months, just put them in a different group and try to retarget them and get them back to be more engaged and open more emails. But if not, you can always, if it's like a validation and to ensure if the emails are real, um, you can use a tool like Fresh Address. Oh, I can send it in the chat here to ensure that the emails in the list are actual, actually real and you're not, um, sending to fake email addresses. So how long so does it take, so if, them. It's, if it's just post-holidays, how long does it take to know? I mean, do you have to wait three to six months to kind of see if those people are going to hang on? Or is there anything that you could clean now kind of knowing that they're they're not going to be valuable? Yeah, so for me, after there's been already two, three weeks since the holidays. And for me, a whole month has passed because people will subscribe before 
the 25th of December. They're starting in November, December. So it has already been two, three months. And you can tell if you take all your contacts, um, all the tools do this. You can create a group. Uh, you go to MailChimp or whatever, and you're like, uh, please create a segment. Give me all the users that signed up at this date or after this date, and then uh, who have never opened an email. And the system will automatically just fil uh, filter them for you. And you can just, you can then look at them one by one if your list is small enough or uh, see if they've ever purchased anything. Because there's no purpose in, um, you know, keeping these people on. They're going to skew all your statistics and all your numbers. So it's, it's important to remove them. So it's always material. We always need to know about email. No. Hey, <laughs> um, also, Yana did have a, um, for larger clients that want to clean their email list, Yana had sent me the name of someone before that does. Yes, uh, fresh address. So they're going to validate that the emails exist. Um, sometimes, uh, like, for example, I assume all of you guys have opened multiple email accounts and the older ones. Um, will actually affect the deliverability. So when you go to Best Buy and you give them an old email address because you don't want to receive all their 10,000 promotions a day, um, you're actually affecting the reputation. They do have an army of people like me that are there to fix it. Uh, but for a smaller business, it will really impact you if you know, you're getting all these old email addresses that people don't look at or they kind of randomly look at. Very, very important. And we don't talk about email reputation um, enough. You know, I, would, uh, I would expect the big companies out there to do it, but... Um, they don't. They they talk about their editors and their you know how easy it is to upload lists and things like that. And that is the last thing on anybody's that should be on anybody's mind. Actually, email is a lot more interesting than people think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I posted a link to the post in the forum that Yana Tori wrote about authenticating. So there's some great stuff in there to give you guys some how-to on that. So definitely check that out. So awesome. Thank you so much, Yana Tori. All right, Josh. Can you want to share a tip today? Yeah, I got to go because oh, okay. I have a 10 30. So let me get the tip is okay. basically for the last few months. If you don't know me, my name is Josh Bernstein. Um, I run Josh Bernstein Media, which is a Google advertising. Let's, I don't want to call it a boutique is almost too much because it's only me. But uh, <laughs> I do Google advertising, which is paid search, display, YouTube advertising, remarketing, retargeting. And the biggest thing I've seen over the last few months. It's just a lack of consistency with clients and their and their advertising objectives. Basically, meaning, I'll go, I'll take over their Google Ads account, and there's not a lot of symmetry between the targeting they have set up there in terms of like their geo targeting and you know their keywords and their ad copy, versus what I'm seeing on their website. It's not a you really need to have the two aligned. Like if you're gonna advertise for certain products and services in a Google Ads account. I need to see the same thing on your website, which includes, you know, subheaders, subpages, you know, dedicated landing pages as well. If you're going to advertise a specific service, you can't just send people to your homepage and get, think you're going to get the best results. So that's a quick tip for everybody. And uh, uh, it's, really, it's really been a big challenge over the last few months, especially with the pandemic. Like people don't know, they're trying to figure out where am I going to advertise now? How am I going to find new customers? Where Am I going to still come to them? Are they going to come to me depending on the vertical? So it's like the really trying to streamline people's objectives and making sure you write the ad, write the correct ad copy moving forward to match those objectives and what customers are going to expect when they go to your website and how they're going to interact 
with a client is a really big thing moving forward because you know the way business is being done is definitely going to be changing moving forward even after we're out of this you're going to see the ways we you know the ways we do transactions and even face-to-face business is going to be totally different so the tip is to make sure there's consistency on what you want to do and how you're promoting it and for what i do with this you know with the paid search advertising it's making sure you're, you're making sure you're only bidding on keywords for things you want to promote and for things you're actually going to deliver don't bid on keywords that you that just because you want to get a click because if somebody sees that but you don't deliver that as part of your services and offerings you're wasting money so and that's where i'm here to help to really streamline your google ads your keywords you know and everything else underneath you know for campaigns so that's what i do and uh you know i know you know stephanie and Kristen has you know they've referred a couple of people to me in the past and uh i'm also in marietta so if y'all need anything, feel free to reach out and uh, be happy to help. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. And I'm Thank sure you guys. are finding that as they have to pivot during the pandemic, you know, you may have new right. services and things and it may not match anymore. So definitely you know, not, yeah. not out there, but then, you know, you have to think of the other side. So that's awesome. Well, I know you yeah. got to run Josh, but thank yeah. you. Well, thank you guys. Nice meeting you. Awesome. Um, Deanna, did you want to share a tip today? And share your name and your company if you want to share. Um, my name is Dina Dalrymple. I am also in Marietta, Georgia, and I do printing. So I do traditional printing as far as paper, um, pocket folders, letterhead, things like that. I do large format, which is banners, yard signs, and I also do apparel, so screen printing and embroidery. So I'll just share a quick tip today about um, how to make apparel a little more affordable, because um, a lot of times people don't think about the number of colors for apparel. So if they send you a picture and they want a four color process image printed on there, that's gonna be really expensive because apparel is done by screens. So the number of screens that you have, the more expensive it's gonna be. And if you have a dark, dark colored garment, then you automatically have to add extra screens because you have to put white down first. Um, so one way to make that uh, less expensive is I have one customer that likes to um, put pictures of their stores on shirts and then they hand them out for grand openings. So what we'll do is we'll illustrate that so it's a one or two color instead of four color. And it also looks a lot better because four color process on a shirt is a lot different than paper because you have the screen mesh. So the, the details are not going to be as crisp. So spot colors are a lot better. Um, another way you can make apparel a little less expensive is if they do want the four color image, you can do a direct to garment, which is going to be a little bit um, cheaper than the screen print, but you can also combine that with screen printing. So you can put on the front their two color logo and then on the back you can do the four color image. So you're not having to pay for a full direct to garment on two sides. So that'll help make it a little bit more affordable for them to, to give out. Um, and then also, you know, the types of apparel that you're using. Fabric makes a whole lot of difference in what you're printing. So that's just a quick tip for today. That's awesome. Thank you, Dina. Does anybody have any thoughts or questions for Dina? Any ideas? So what type of, um, so when you're providing apparel, is it to like, who are your main customers? 
Um, well, my biggest customer is a paint distribution company. Um, so that's what we do the grand open and t-shirts for. And then other than that, the uh, places like cheer companies, cheerleaders print a lot of t-shirts mm -hmm. um, and schools. Schools print a lot of t-shirts. Um, like for instance, one school that we do has eight different middle, uh, eighth grade middle school. And so what we'll do, um, we've printed theme shirts. So on Friday, they each have their own theme um, and they can compete for, you know, whatever different thing, but it's a way for them to identify. Excellent. Okay, cool. Awesome. Any other thoughts for Dina? Any other questions? Awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's, I'm curious, um, we'll have to ask you later about the difference between kind of the direct print and the um, you know, so and I had stuff printed out, but I can't have the logos on it. So oh. next time I'll be more prepared and take the logos out so you can see pictures. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but yeah, but that that could be interesting to even know, like, well, how, which one do you choose too? You know, do you, do you direct? Did you call it direct to? Direct to garment. It's basically like a large inkjet printer, and you put the shirt on, and then it it sprays the ink on. Oh, so it's a little bit different than than screen printing. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Barbara, did you have a tip you wanted to share today? Sure. Um, I don't know that mine will take the entire four minutes, but <laughs> I'm happy to share. My name is Barbara Berkowitz. I am the director of production at Kapoka Studios. We are an audio video development company. Um, we do video series production, digital course creation, podcasts, and webinars. So the last year has been very interesting for us as far as in-studio shoots and having to adapt to that. And um, so one thing that we've done to really help market our services to people is teach them to set up remote studios so that they can actually record their own um, YouTube videos or their own promotional videos and send us the data after they're done so that we can edit it. And um, so we teach them how to set up the colored backgrounds, um, set up their camera. We actually do everything over Zoom. We can manage a teleprompter. So what we found is that um, we deal a lot with subject matter experts and subject matter experts in order to present themselves as professionals really need professional video. Um, and that that makes a big difference between that and um, a home studio that doesn't have the editing, editing capabilities. So I guess my tip is just to know your to know your audience and to know yourself and to present yourself as polished um, as possible, even in this unprecedented time. <laughs> so that's what I've got. That is such a great idea to help people set up their studios at home. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, what is the cost for somebody to do that in terms of buying the equipment and the lighting? If somebody's going to do that at home and they have to purchase a backdrop and all these things, do you have kind of an estimated like startup cost for them? We actually, yes, depending on it is what they want to do, we can send them. Some people already have the equipment. So we kind of go through that process with them of the cameras, you know, microphones, things like that, if they have any of it. And then we can send them um, links, Amazon, um, you know, the 
big photography company is completely leaving my mind right now, but we can send them links and kind of scale it depending on what it is that they're going to do. They can usually set up an in-home studio for um, not including the camera, um, probably less than $700. So yeah. Awesome. That's good to know. Does anybody have any questions for Barbara? I do actually, when it comes to sound, sound seems to be my personal biggest problem. Sure. Um, because camera, I mean, I can see it, right? right. <laughs> With my eyes, but the, right. the sound is so is so complex. You know, you hear all these tips about, you know, like the egg cartons or drapes or, you know, cause I hear my voice 20, 25 times <laughs> myself. Um, how, how are you able to gauge that from like, a, can you just hear from the Zoom call or like, how does that even work uh, from afar? We can hear it a little bit from the Zoom call. The other thing that okay. we is when they send us, we, we have them record the audio on a different track and they send it to us, we can master it. And so we can take oh. out a lot of the background noise. And yeah, you'd be really, you'd be surprised at, at how much we can polish that um, and amazing. put it together. So yeah. Very cool. I yeah. didn't know those. Well, a little bit, but not to the point where, you know, from a, I, I know that in a studio, people can correct things, but from house, you know, you hear the, so much noise. I, right. I didn't know you can correct that much. Yep. There are microphones cool. you can use that help cut back, cut on the background noise, but then also the mastering makes a really big difference. Very nice. Interesting. Thank you. So many things, Barbara. I'm going to want lots of tips because there are so many questions because there's lighting, there's the backdrops. I mean, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> make a list for us. <laughs> we'll, Barbara, we'll when you were doing the audio separately, what would you just use a different, you know, soft, like how would you, or would you separate it after the fact? Is that what you're talking about? Like after no, you, you actually, get the video? Um, you record it separately. Okay. And you sync it to the camera mm -hmm. sound. So that you match it up perfectly so you don't run into that the lips not matching mm -hmm. the sound that you right. get a lot of times right and, um yeah and then you you master it on you do it on two different tracks so you have your video right. track and you have your audio track okay yeah. but when um when your customers are doing that so they would just you would tell them okay use this software to do the audio or we can actually record the audio over zoom okay Go so on. yeah yeah, so we can do that. The The video is a little harder and that's why we usually just have them do it to an SD card or a hard drive and then send that to us because it's right. really file isn't as big. Right. Awesome. Thank you, Barbara. That's awesome. Um, Jamie, would you like to share a tip today? Sure. Mine was kind of actually just echoing what um, you know a lot of you guys have said about um, just ensuring like brand consistency with your company and everything. Um, so that includes like going through like a brand audit and just like going through your company and going through both um, kind of like you said with the email list, um, all your digital touch points and then all your physical touch points as well. Because um, with a lot of like, you know, COVID and um, a lot of like the just changes in the world and stuff, you know, a lot of companies are moving in different directions, um, which is really cool. But um, sometimes they forget to, you know, update uh, their, you know, brand promise or what their messaging on their website says um, that reflects what their, you know, new goals are for the year and their new strategy. So um, my tip kind of was just to um, go through a complete brand audit. And this is a great time because it's the beginning of the year, beginning of your new 2021 marketing strategies. 
Um, and it's a great time to just kind of like take a step back, look at everything, um, both with like clients and customers, and then also with your, um, you know, if you have employees too, um, kind of getting touch base with them to kind of communicate where you're headed, um, you know, because if you're going in a completely new direction, it's in, it's good to know, have them know internally too, um, just to, you know, communicate, you know, the brand changes as well, and then they can reflect those changes too and their actions and everything that they do. Um, so it's not just, you know, your website, it's everything from, you know, the way you email, the way, um, like your, you know, marketing materials are going out, everything that any interaction you have with anyone, um, make sure it's aligned for what you're doing now. That is so true. That is such an important thing right now. Kind of like what we we're talking about with Barbara. I mean, it sounds like your company has shifted quite a bit with this new service. So even just that's a big task to go through and kind of figure out, you know, how you communicate that. And, and, um, and Jamie, Jamie Green is with ID8. So Kristen and Jamie work together. Oh, yes. I so just wanted to make sure everybody knew what company you were with. Um, all right. Um, Matt, did you change your mind on sharing a tip or you just want to observe today? Just want to give you an opportunity if you change your mind. You know what? I have nothing prepared as far okay, as a tip cool. goes, but um, I can certainly introduce myself. I just kind of wanted to observe the meeting, see how yeah. it works. Uh, my name is Matt Spett. Um, I have a, a creative first advertising agency, smaller advertising agency called Uncharted. Um, we come from a pretty big agency background. We worked for Ogilvy for a long time. BBDO before that, some agencies in Chicago, Dallas, LA. So we uh, moved to Atlanta, I don't know, maybe 11 years ago. Our wives are, me and my, my I'm an art director, uh, designer background. My, my partner in the business is a writer. We've been working together for a really long time. So we moved to Chicago to get, or moved to Atlanta from Chicago together because our, our wives are both from here. They got tired of the winters. Um, and at a certain point, we knew we were going to start our own thing. So we did that about a year and a half ago. And uh, here we are. We're, we're also multidisciplined. We're not only creative. We offer strategy and media placement. Uh, we have a pretty large collective of people who help us out with that. So um, I don't know. Does that give you a pretty good idea? Yeah, yeah that's great. Here we are. Cool. Yeah, definitely check out Matt's site. He's got some great things. Like you said, there's there's a lot there. So um, definitely some good resources. And that's the other great thing about the Marketing Council is we're able to share and refer business. Because I know people ask me all the time, do you know somebody that does SEO? Do you know somebody that does graphic design? And I, I'm so careful about who I recommend. And so this allows us to get to know people so we can say, yeah, call Barbara for video or call Dina for, you know, if you need something printed on something, you know, so that way we can actually make good <laughs> referrals. And, and give people some good resources like that. So awesome, thank you so much. Um, we yeah, got and I, oh, sorry, <laughs> I was, I, I love these because we're constantly looking for people to help us out uh, in certain areas, so. Absolutely. It's great. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you, Matt, we appreciate you coming today. So, um, all right, we've got a few minutes left, so I'm gonna share a quick tip that I'm actually really excited about. I literally gasped when I was listening to a podcast and I heard that you could do this. So my tip is how to obtain repeat exposure using Pinterest. So a lot of times, so my name is Stephanie Richards and my company is SoGrow Public Relations. And we do a lot of B2B public relations, but we do do some consumer PR. And so 
um, just the challenge of starting with public relations is really the top of the funnel. And it's getting in front of people who probably have never heard of your company before. And you're just kind of popping up into their world, whether they're reading a magazine or they're on social media or wherever it might be. You're just kind of entering their world as they you know, happen upon you or search for something that may not be even related to your company. So the challenge is really, you know, how do you get repeat exposure in front of those people? So it's not just popping up one time, but you're popping up in a lot of different places and they're becoming familiar with your company. So I heard on, it was the Simple Pin Media podcast, and they were talking about one of the features on Pinterest, and they have this targeting feature where you can take your customer list or your contact list, upload it to Pinterest, and Pinterest will match whoever on that list has a Pinterest account, and you can place ads in front of those people. It was so amazing because, it, that's such an amazing thing because you can actually show up again in front of these people that are already on your list that you may send them an email and that's great, but you're actually showing up in another platform that they're using on their own and you're able to do targeted ads. So you could have a list of prospective customers that maybe they've downloaded something from you, but they've never purchased something. So you can pop up on Pinterest for them and you can give them a special specific offer or a special specific product that they might be interested in. Like if you have like a starter package or, you know, something that would be at the beginning of the process, or you can upload your customer list of customers that you already have. Maybe you can give them special discounts. Maybe people who haven't engaged with your company or bought anything in six months, maybe you have something special for them, or maybe it's something like a limited time, you know, a limited run or something like that. So this is huge for getting repeated exposure in front of those people that Maybe they open your email once a month, but maybe you need to kind of pop up in different places like that. So um, I literally gasped when I thought about the potential of, of, of this for just, you know, staying in front of, of people, especially for like retail businesses and the consumer side of things. So I was curious if you guys had come across this on other platforms. Do you guys know of any other social platforms that are currently doing this? Because this was the first time I'd heard about it on for Pinterest. Nobody else. So it is as cool as I think it is. It is as big of a deal. Well, I don't know where you could like if there's ones where you upload all your contacts exactly like that. I mean, that's that's really interesting. But I mean, obviously, all all the social media is doing a ton of targeting. Um, I love to how they're giving more control to the viewers where if you don't like an ad, you can customize the ads that you see. Um, you know, and even stop seeing, you know, I don't want to see this ad anymore. It's not in relevant to me. Um, so that that's really cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there for that. Kristen? Um, only for products? I, it could be for any, I mean, Pinterest is whatever. It, so basically you don't necessarily see, from what I understand, you don't necessarily see the user profiles per se. Like they, I think it's blind in terms of like you upload the contacts and then Pinterest takes that information and shows the ads to the people that are on your list that have Pinterest accounts. So, you know, it could be for whatever product or service that makes sense for your company. Can so, we, <clears throat> Kristen, can we, can we meet your dog? Uh, here, this is Saki. Saki. Oh, this is a sweater. Yes, he's, well, he has no hair on the bottom of his body, so he gets, cold and he's a little sick so anyway yeah he's growling because he must have seen a another dog 
that's so fun. So cute. Well, um, there are, I've, I've put a post on the forum with instructions for the Pinterest where you can actually figure out how you do it. So if you guys want to take a look at that, um, but I appreciate you guys coming today. It's so good to see some new faces and I appreciate, you know, all the way from the Netherlands. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. kind of good, good group of people and I appreciate it. So please share this, invite more marketers because the more people we have, the more tips we get and the more resources we have to share. So our next meeting is February 16th. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time. So I'd love to have you guys join again um, and sign up early because the people who sign up first are the ones that share tips first. That's how I pick the order. It's the featured um, experts, the members, and then the guests who sign up first. Um, and then if you want to become a member, just go to sogropr.com. It's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com backslash membership. And you can take a peek and then you can go and you can set up your um, profile and you can see the member directory and access the speaker database and comment on the forum posts and things like that. And we are still looking for featured experts and the featured experts are able to post on the forum. So basically the featured experts take their tip and then they post it on the forum and then we promote those um, forum posts to, to our network and as, as much as we can. So awesome. Any other closing thoughts? Anything else? Any other questions that anybody didn't get a chance to ask before we sign off? Is there any like needs? Um, anybody have any needs or wants that you know, maybe everybody here can help with. I don't, I don't know. I know I have a need. Awesome. Go for it. Share it. We're looking for um, project manager, a full-time project manager for two slots. And so we're looking for an experienced person who works in an agency. We're open to remote. They don't have to be here in Atlanta, um, uh, but experienced working for a, a small agency, uh, 10 years of experience and can navigate between doing the tactical project management and also customer service. Awesome. Well, we will definitely let you know um, if we think of anybody, but IDA is a great agency. So this would be an amazing job for somebody. So y'all seriously do think about it because um, it would be a wonderful opportunity for somebody. So awesome. Well, so excited. Thank you all for joining today. Um, again, look forward to seeing you guys on February 16th. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the SoGro Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGroPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com. And click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.